Welcome to Emergence Radio Talk, where you'll be inspired and motivated by the journeys of movers and shakers from all around the world and those who are occupying and taking dominion. Emergence Radio Talk with Dr. Tavara Johnson. Welcome everyone to Emergence Radio Talk with your host, none other than Dr. Tavira Johnson. And of course, it's Tuesday, so I'm always excited for my shows. Today, I'm telling you, I have a mighty man of God. He loves God. He loves God's people. Of course, he's also someone who is in the Emerging Leaders Lab you've ever been in there. And so, of course, um, he's proven himself to be um, a builder of people, and he will be sharing some of his journey, some of his story on how he has emerged from his place of obscurity to dominate the sphere of influences that God would have given to him. As I want to welcome Pastor BJ, and indeed, it's a pleasure to have you here with me this evening. How are you? This is definitely a pleasure to be on uh, with such an emerging leader in yourself. When you were giving that introduction, I was like, I don't know who she's talking about, but I guess we'll just roll with it. But uh, to God be the glory, I'm excited for this conversation and this dialogue that we're about to dive into. So I'm ready. Let's get it started. I know, I know, I'm ready, and just thank you so much for coming on. I'm telling you, everyone, if you haven't invited someone to listen, go ahead and do so, because Pastor DJ is very explosive. He's very transparent, and you don't want to miss this conversation. But Pastor DJ, for those who may not know, I want you to go ahead and just introduce yourself to our listening audience and let them know a little bit of who you are and what is it that you do. Uh, well, yes, my name is uh, Broderick James. I go by BJ for short. Uh, I am the, I guess, senior leader of the Transparent Church. We're a church in Houston, Texas, and we also do several hubs in other locations as well. Um, I'm a husband, um, soon-to-be father. I'm speaking that prophetically. And just a servant of God, my my life-long uh, mission and journey is to not build a mega church, but to have a mega ministry where we're impacting communities. So um, our job is to assist those who need homes, to feed those that are in homeless shelters, that are in battered apartment complexes. And so my job is to be what Jesus was, and that's a servant. So that's just who I am, BJ. um, Yeah, just BJ. (laughs) Wow, wow, Pastor BJ, that's a whole lot. It's a whole lot. you're definitely making an impact into the kingdom and just, you know, you're just someone who really, really have a servant's heart and really, really just love people. Um, you know, but one of the things I want you to kind of let our listening audience know, like, you know, of course you are. I, I still don't really consider you to be an emerging leader, more of a senior leader. But anyway, you know, we'll go with that. Um, you know, but I kind of want you just to let us know who, um, when would you would have recognized the call on your life? Like, how did you uh, come into your purpose? Like, you know, how did you know that God was calling you into ministry and all the things that, that you're doing now, or even the things that he, you know, has shown you to do? Well, it, it started uh, young. I knew at the age of eight years old that I had a calling on my life, um, and my family knew it too because, they would always make me preach. I don't care if we had Sunday service, Wednesday Bible study. When we would get home, they would literally make me preach. So um, I knew I had a calling on my life young, but me being a child and uh, also good at sports, I didn't want to do ministry because 
Um, in the household I grew up, traditional Baptist, it was either one or the other. You know, either you were going to be at church all the time or you were going to be on the basketball court or the football field all the time. There wasn't a healthy balance. So um, I really got into ministry at the age of 14. I didn't start off preaching. I started off teaching. I taught my first adult Bible study um, at the age of 14, and it kind of grew from there. But as I got older, ministry wasn't cool. So um, I ran from ministry for about Oh, my God, for about seven years. Yeah, I can say from 14 to 21, I would dabble with ministry, but I wouldn't devote myself to it. And so I ran for ministry. I didn't really want to do it. And I just you already put it out there. I'm transparent. Um, I could hear the voice of the Lord speaking to me. And he was like, if you don't do what I've called you to do, you're not going to live that that much longer. I remember um, I don't have the testimony as everybody else getting saved in the church, people laying hands on me because I was in church, but church wasn't in me. And so what happened was one night um, I was out with a young lady and we decided to go get a motel room. Praise the Lord. We decided to go get a motel room. And I remember um, the Lord telling me, he says, if you lay down with her, you will never get up again. And I was fighting in my flesh because I knew what I wanted. I knew what I was there for. And even the young lady confirmed that she said, I have to leave because something just told me that I cannot touch you. If I touch you, something bad is going to happen to me. And so I got saved at the Palace Inn at 3 o'clock in the morning. And from that moment up until now, um, I've been in my purpose and in my calling. That is powerful, powerful. Um, wow, <laughs> Pastor BJ. You know, um, that's an awesome testimony. And I'm glad you shared it because one of the things I realize about uh, people, you know, sometimes they think that, you know, when that time comes for them to get saved, that it's going to be in a, uh, I want to say, a more favorable setting, and sometimes it doesn't happen. You know, so I'm glad that you share that so anyone else who may be listening in and they hear God calling them. I mean, you could be anywhere. Because I remember one time I was in a club and God was saying to me, what are you doing here? I couldn't even say that. I was trying to dance, you know, I believe. I'm like, God, you messed up my whole flow, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. But sometimes he would, he would interrupt um, uh, your plans just to save you and for you to say that, you know, hey, he said that you wouldn't live much listen or you wouldn't get up. That's serious. You know, and so people need to understand the call of God that, you know, yes. that if God is calling them, that is very serious. It's something that you, uh, you know, you don't take lightly because sometimes, I mean, like you said, had you not done it, you may not have been scared to be able to tell the testimony. Uh, tell the, the, the Lord literally spoke to me and said, if you lay down with her, you will not get up again. And oh, I knew, I heard the voice of the Lord before, but it was like, one of those tones that your parents take with you, like I'm not playing with you. And from that moment on, I knew something had to change. And what I'll tell you, uh, give you the end part of the story, uh, not only did the Lord speak to me, not only did he speak to the young lady, but remember I told you that was 3 o'clock in the morning. I left there, and I didn't go to my home. I went to uh, my parents' home. I didn't even go to my apartment. I went to my parents' home. And this is about 3.30, 3.45 in the morning. As soon as I pull up in the driveway, my, par I, my parents are literally sitting in their living room waiting on me to get there. And as soon as I pull up in the driveway, my dad opens the door, and he has his arms outstretched. 
And he said, God has been dealing with me this entire week concerning you. And it's time for you to stop wow. running. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm getting chills all over so, again I mean, just, just talking about it. Because he gave you confirmation, um, you know, all around. You know, he he really did. Um, you know, you were like Jonah, <laughs> you know, and even, I mean, it's a good thing. You know, I mean, of course, God spoke to everyone, but, you know, with Jonah, the people, they were in danger. Of, their life was in danger because of Jonah. And yes. that's pretty much what would have happened with that young lady, you know. <laughs> so it's a good thing she said, listen, this, thing, this, this isn't it. You know, because, I mean, she helped to spare her, her life, and only God knows what would have happened. There's really no telling, you know. And, um, and that's really, so I'm so... that's that's really okay. how it happened. I, like I said, I don't have that church story where I saw a dove from the sky and, you know, they poured oil on my head. No, that's, that's not how it happened. The Lord said, um, you can't run no more, and I'm not going to allow you to make me out of a liar. So, um, that's that's how it happened from then on. I've just been growing in my purpose, uh, trying to grow in my purpose, because I still feel like I have a lot to learn. That's why I said I guess you can call me the senior leader because God had us plant a church, but I still feel like I don't know 10% of um, what I need to know to, you know, effectively grow and build and all of that. Because the moment you stop learning or the moment you stop seeking knowledge, then you've already lost. That's powerful. So if anyone, if you're listening in, go ahead and make sure you, you know, continue to seek knowledge, continue to be a, I mean, it's really a student of your craft or whatever it is that God is telling you um, uh, to do. But I'm grateful for that transparent uh, testimony because I know you're going to help people listening in. Because sometimes, like I said, some people feel as though that, you know, they're going to have the devil, have these type of experiences, like, you know, just maybe in church and really God could call you anywhere. It doesn't matter where you're at. Where you're at. If he stay listening, it's time. It's time you gotta go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're grateful that you would have accepted the call, Pastor BJ. Because I mean, now you're just on a different level. You're just really on a different level, and that takes me now to your, um, you know, on Facebook. You know, you're always constantly, you know, sharing on Facebook your wisdom, your nuggets. Um, you know, and of course your Facebook lives. You know, sometimes you have the, or you will say hashtag the toast stepper. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know. Ready up those toast step up pose. I'm like, oh so, Lord, I'm about to be so there. The people gonna it's be holding funny. their hands today. It's funny because people people it's funny because people think that's like a self given nickname when it's not. That actually came from one of the youth um at my home church when I was a youth pastor there. So Pastor BJ and the Toast Stepper came from one of the young ladies that was at the church. Literally, I can't like she was one of the young ladies who was a part of the uh, youth ministry. And so um, they just felt crazy because they have been knowing me their entire life. They just felt crazy calling me uh, Reverend or Pastor Broderick James. So one day she was just like, I'm going to call you Pastor BJ because that's just too long. That's too much of a title. And it just stuck from there. So from then on, people start calling me Pastor BJ. And um I preached a sermon one time, and it was kind of controversial. You know how that goes. And she was like, ooh, you stepping on toes. We're going to call you the toe stepper. And that, it just stuck from there. 
So wow. I, and I guess it just yeah it it just stuck with me. But uh, what what I do on Facebook, the prayer call live every night um, at nine o'clock Central Time. That was that was birthed from when we went through a devastating hurricane here in Houston. Uh, I, I don't know if you recall it, but we went through a, a 2018. We went through a devastating hurricane where literally everything was underwater. Um, people were we were in what you would call a pandemic. It's crazy. We were in what you would call a pandemic. Some people stayed in it two, three months. They were without electricity, were without food. And I was working as a police officer at the time, and it was devastating to me because the suicide rates had went up. Um, There was all kind of looting and rioting and domestic violence, and we were just getting all of these crazy calls. And God told me, he says, you need to start praying outwardly daily with people. So that's where Prayer Call Live was birthed from um, when I was, I couldn't even get to work because that's how much water was going on. And we did like a eight hour just prayer call on Facebook Live and people just start pouring in their testimonies from, it started locally in Houston and then people from all over the country uh, started gravitating to it and they were like, you need to start doing this every night. And as the Lord willing, it's been four years now and he's he's blessed it. It turned out to just us doing prayer to an entire ministry now. So you never know. And I think we were kind of talking about this offline. Um, you never know the gift that God has inside of you that he's going to use, you know, that you didn't even know was there. So me just praying turned into an entire ministry. And now we are in several different countries. Um we have moderated we all that stuff from just praying during a hurricane and it turned into something else. You know, that's good because, you know, it it started out from I guess almost like tragedy almost, you know, so we're really finding another way. And I'm glad that you share like where it came from because, you know, sometimes people feel like you know, when you talk about ministry or whatever, I mean, some people may be gifted. I don't say gifted, but, you know, whereas the Lord would have it, whereas it's a e- more easier path, I guess, to a certain extent. Right. And then there's some people where it's really the, the whole building. Um, and, and, and you've been you, you've been building. I mean, some people have it, whereas, you know, persons would just give them, okay, well, here's all, you know, here's access to all of my, um, you know, whether it's contacts, uh, following, church, whatever. <laughs> Right, right. You know, where where you have to build it, like where you're in the trenches. And I think, um, you know, sometimes building things from, from the ground up, it, you, you tend to appreciate it more. You could, you, you're able to see the growth, the progress. Not saying that you can't see it the other ways, but, you know, you're really able to see oh, right. it. When, when it's built from, right, when it's something that you've built from scratch with your own hands. And it's not to knock anybody that has inherited things, you know, and just have things freely given to them because some people, they have grace like that. And some people, you know, God uses them to go on and do greater things for what they're given. But absolutely, when you build it from the ground up, it holds a special place in your heart. For instance, the first um, one we did I was on praying for like two hours and nobody was on. So, you know, because God just told me, he said, hey, just go live and start praying. And that's what I did. I just got on, start praying. And for two hours straight, I was just on there praying and nobody was on. And after a couple 
hours, one person got on, two people got on, and I think we ended that prayer call with like four or five people. Well, the next day, got on, start praying again. It went from four to five to like maybe eight or nine. And the Lord kept saying, don't, you know, you're not looking at the numbers because I just told you to pray. And so now, um, oh, I can't even tell you our, our view count and all of that stuff. I don't, I don't even look up the logistics or statistics of those things, but it's safe to say that we've impacted so many lives because we were obedient to the assignment and we weren't worried about the numbers or the statistics. And I think that's yeah, a testimony for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's a testimony for a lot of people. Don't do not look at the numbers. If that's in your business, um, that's in your ministry, that's in your life period. Do not look at the numbers when you're on assignment. Because what happens is um, it's easy to get discouraged when you get distracted. I don't feel like preaching, Dr. T. I don't feel like preaching. <laughs> it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get discouraged when you're distracted. That's good, Pastor BJ. But you know what I realized, too? Um, I've been, especially with it being the pandemic, right, and we look at, I've seen some some of the um, people like whether it be uh, Bishop T.D. Chase or Stephen Furrick, you know, they're on TV preaching and some of them, I mean, sometimes they're preaching their whole heart out. And when the camera, sometimes you get a view of the audience and ain't no audience <laughs> in there. And, they, and I remember one day saying, wow, like this is powerful. Because if you can preach your heart out, and in your, in your case you were praying your heart out and doing the assignment, uh, when no one is looking, when no one is there, what more can you do? when God give you audience. And, and, I, and I think God does that too, to, to say that, hey, I can trust you with an audience yes. when, you, when yes. I give you one. I talked about this the other night uh, on Prayer Call Live. I talked about the audience of one. That's the main thing. That, that's, that's the only thing, the audience of one. When the pandemic started, it was crazy for churches. I remember our building telling us, Hey, y'all are allowed to come in, but you can't have service, and there can't, uh, there cannot be more than three of y'all in the building. And I'm like, what? Did, what do you mean there can't be more than three of us? So literally, it would be me, um, the person that ran the, you know, the sound equipment. Sometimes my wife, sometimes one of the other leaders. And uh, it's like you said with with TD Jackson Furtick, you're literally preaching. Um, to no, to nobody in the building, and you don't know who's watching online, but it it really took me, and I think it's for a lot of pastors and leaders as well. It took us back to the pure place because I remember becoming a preacher and a pastor that there were many times I would be at the church just preaching to myself. I would literally um, at my home church. They gave me keys. That was the worst thing they could have ever done because I was at the church every day, and there would be nobody in there for hours but me and God. And I would just be preaching. I would be preaching to myself, like just preaching to myself. So it really it humbled me. Matter of fact, the first virtual sermon that I did, I cried because it reminded me of where I came from. Because a lot of times we, you know, we be expecting those amens and people running to the stage and slap your neighbor and all of that, but it really it brought back the essence of what ministry is. And that's the audience of one. Mm, 
powerful. And I'm sure, you know, those who are listening in, they would be able to take note of that, that, you know, it's okay if you don't have no one who you, you know, you're preaching to or you're praying to. Because, again, like you said, really, you should really be, um, and I, I don't think performing is the right word, but knowing that it's only for an audience of one, which is really God, you know, that should be your Absolutely. Your, I've, I've to talked to so many leaders who um, who have been discouraged because, you know, they try to do online ministry and they, they're doing clubhouse and, you know, the numbers don't look as good. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if nobody's in the room, just worship until something breaks. Just worship. Mm-hmm. And you, you referenced Jonah earlier. Jonah did not want to go because he knew the people weren't going to receive him. And all God kept telling him is, I'm not sending you there for the people. I'm sending you there for assignment. But because he dealt with rejection issues, he was more focused on the reaction and the response of people than he was on the assignment of God. Mm-hmm. And we have to know that, you know, this is God. I mean, and God is the ultimate person that we should be pleasing. <laughs> or should only care about pleasing, you know, versus people. Because as we, as we see and we saw it happen to Jesus, you know, people could, you know, pat you on the back. They could praise you today and tomorrow or, or later on this evening, you know, they're crucifying you, you know. So we have to be mindful. <laughs> yes, Lord. You know, we, have to be mindful of that. <laughs> we really have to be mindful um, of that um, as well when we talk about doing an assignment. Now, of course, Pastor BJ, you know, you as a lead pastor, um, I want to know, like, how important is it for you to, like, not only recognize the gifts that you, you know, that may be in your membership, um, but to actually put them in positions, not necessarily a position position, but put them in a position to cultivate their gifts or create avenues for their development. So how important is, you know, like mentorship and coaching and, and as, a, as a lead pastor, especially as a pastor, you talk about the church, the kingdom, how important is it to uh, cultivate these gifts that may be in your church? Absolutely. Uh, that's a great question. For, for me, it's the most important thing. And I, I think a lot of uh, leaders lose sight of that, that when God puts you in a position to lead, your responsibility is to pour and to train. So for me and our church, um, it, it, it's weird because we, we just made one year, and for a year straight, I didn't even teach them about their gifts. I taught them about their character because until you learn how to be effective at home, then the ministry is, is going to make you seem like you're bipolar. There are a lot of people who are great at the church, but they're terrible at home. So for the first year, um, we dealt with money management. We dealt with character integrity. We dealt with husbands and wives. You know, we dealt with um, being single and reserved. We dealt with all of our leaders in their home. Why? Because when you become better at home, you will be ten times better at church. So it's very important. And then you allow. This is what I. Um, this is what I do. I allow people's character and their consistency to lead me to where I need to train them because there are a lot of people who have gifts, but they're not consistent or they don't have good character. And we have to be careful in this day and age trying to lead people, trying to lay hands on people, trying to impart people just because they have great gifts, but their character is jacked up and they're not consistent. 
So it's very important to cultivate gifts, um, not just because they're members of your church, but because uh, I tell people all the time, we don't build membership, we build relationships. If I can get you, a, an effective leader's goal is to get you to the place where you don't need them for everything or not anything unless it's a special situation. So, for instance, I have uh, one leader that, that's with me. When he started off, he used to call me for everything, for everything. So I had to be patient with him. I had to train him. I had to love on him. I had to rebuke him. I had to correct him, do all of those things. Now he knows how to go to God in prayer. You know, he knows how to seek other resources and things to try to get uh, stuff done instead of just picking up the phone and um, automatically calling me. He's looking for solutions. I tell them, before you call me with the problem, I need to know that you've already tried to work out three solutions, at least came up with three solutions in your head, because that lets me know that you're actively, um, you're, you're actively thinking you're, you're critical thinking. You're trying to solve situations. So pouring into the gifts that's in your house is very important, and you have to learn the difference from people that are sons and daughters in the ministry and people that are assignments because you have some people who are assignments. They're just seasonal, and you have to um, – oh, God, I'm, I, I, hopefully I'm not rambling, but you, you have to learn how to not get territorial over God's gift and not yours. Because a lot of times we will refrain from training people. What did you say? No, say that again, Pastor BJ, about not being territorial. Oh, we have to learn how to not be territorial over God's gifts. The Bible says he gave gifts to man, which means that just because you are the leader, it's not your gift. So if God has assigned you to train them and release them, you do that. It doesn't make them rebellious. It doesn't make them bad. Um, it, it doesn't make them, you know, an orphan spirit. No, they were sent to you on assignment for a season. For instance, I just, this is going to sound bad, but I, I mean this in a playing way. I just uh, got rid of a leader. I just kicked him out because God told me when he got to me, he was there for six months. He has a six-month assignment to come learn, to come poor, to come um, be taught, and then, boom, release him, let him go to his next assignment. Well, good. Now he's in a place that um, is more fitting for where he's trying to go. Now he's connected with people that are on the level of which he's trying to obtain. But had I been a controlling leader in all of that because he's good, I would have been stifling his gift. No, it's not our gift. Release the gift that God has graced you to groom. I'm a groomer. I'm a grower. I don't hold hostages. So, a lot of leaders need to understand that. We need to understand that. Church is the only place that you can um, not get arrested for kidnapping people. Yeah. Yeah. Or holding them hostage. Man. That's good, Pastor BJ. I'm a groomer, not a hostage. You know, this is the mindset that leaders should have. Um, you know, and then I love when he talks about you know, <laughs> kicking the guy out because a lot of leaders sometimes, um, and even in, you know, whether it be ministry or even marketplace, sometimes they do this. You know, um, they want to hold a gift at a particular position um, because, you know, either they think, okay, well, what are people going to say or how is it going to look if they leave or vice versa? Like, no, I mean, that is what you do. Even Jesus created disciples and he sent them out. 
Exactly. You know, uh, train them just to leave them there. He trained them and he sent them out. So as a leader, um, you should always be training and sending out. And then, like you mentioned, okay, is it, you know, are the people seasonal? Like what is happening? So you have to be able to categorize the people as to, you know, how God, um, you know, when God sent them, where should they be? Is it like you, you said six months? If their season is six months, is it a year? What is it? You know, what 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 is it? What is the plan? What does God decide? And send the people out. You know, I think that's one of the the hardest things for some leaders. I don't know why, but you know, just send. It. You know, if you're a leader listening in, whether you're merging or senior leader listening in, and you know that you need to let people go, don't don't hold them as hostages. You know, throw them out there, um, or let them go so they could go ahead and get to that next level. Everyone decides let- to get to that next level. Let them let them leave gracefully, because when you let them leave gracefully, they become an extension of what's been built already. So, like, but this is what happens when leaders don't have a plan for people. So when they start growing, um, you don't know what to do. So the first thing you try to do is like kill it because it's growing and you didn't you never had a plan for it. All the leaders that come in with mm-hmm. to our uh, ministry and under our covering, I sit down with them. Me and my wife, we sit down with them, and we, we iron out a plan. Okay, this is where you need to be eight months from now. Okay, in two years, this is what we're projecting. If you're a church planner, you have two years with us, and then you have to go. We have one guy that's a church planner. That's what God has given him. That's the gift. He plants churches, but he is learning how to become a better church planner. Well, I told him, you only got two years with us, and you're already a year in, so you got one more year. So this year we are literally, we're putting the pressure on him to get things done because um, a lot of times we leave with discord and confrontation when it doesn't have to be that way. We are all branches that make, um, we make extensions on one another. So, for instance, you don't have to step on somebody on the way out when you can be standing on their shoulders. Mm, that's good. Mm-mm-mm. My God, my God. That's a big that's good. Because everybody, everybody you train is a rebellious. No. They're bored. No. <laughs> I, I, I remember being called a rebellious child, and I wasn't rebellious. I was just bored. It was nothing else for them to allow me to do. Everything was, don't do this, wait. Uh, I don't know right now. I don't know. And then it's crazy because everything that I'm doing with my leader now, I tried to do it at the place where I was. So there was nothing wrong with me. It was the environment that I was in. And once I was released, I was rewarded. Every child is not rebellious. You're, they're just bored because you're not giving them enough to do. You're not challenging them. Yes. That, that's good, Pastor BJ. So your environment has to be conducive to your growth as a leader. You have to um, have a plan. You know, uh, one of the things I remember my coach said to me, she said, you know, as, as, as your mentee or your coachee shifts, you should be shifting with them. She said, if you, she said, if you cannot shift with them or ahead of them, you don't need to be coaching them because you can't take exactly. them where they need to go. You know, exactly. so I think that is so, so paramount. And then you mentioned, like, boredom. Yes, I mean, sometimes people think, okay, well, they're not interested. Well, it's not that they're not interested. You, like you said, are just bored. 
you know, what, yeah. what are the next steps? What, what, are, what is the next plan? And I always believe as a leader, um, whether it's a church, marketplace, whatever, you should have a plan for those who you are supposed to be leading. I'm not saying that as a, as a uh, you know, I'm not saying that the individuals themselves shouldn't have a plan. Of course, they, they would have a plan as to where they see themselves. But what are you going to do to help them to get there? What are you going to do to say, you know what, uh, if someone comes to you with a plan, the plan may need a little tweaking, but it's still guessing where they need to be. Like I, And then I love that you said that you're having these discussions. I see. I told someone yesterday, I said communication makes all the difference in the world. Communication is, I think, the number one issue, I believe, in any form of relationship is lack of communication or people yes. not on the same page is why they haven't communicated. And Absolutely. the fact that you do that, man, see, Pastor Bridget, I tell you, I don't see you as an emerging leader. I see you as a senior leader. I promise you, oh, I'm, I promise you I'm emerging. I promise you. I, I I'm not even halfway where I need to be yet. I'm only like, and it's because as a leader, I humbled myself to learn. Yeah. So, for instance, I humbled myself to learn from my leader. When I met him, he was like, look around. I want you to look around. Literally. He took me in his church, and, was, and I didn't even know he was going to be my leader. I was in his building for a business meeting, um, was working with a client who was trying to make some purchases and things, and they just decided to rent out the conference room of the church. So I was there for a business meeting, and he grabs me out of the meeting. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. And he takes me into a sanctuary and tells me to look around. And when I look around, he says, I want you to see this. Everything you see, I had it before you got here, which means that I don't need you for anything. I just want to teach you. Wow. I just want to teach you. So if I would have been the young, arrogant, hot-headed leader, then I would have been like, oh, he, he, you know, he trying to son me. He thinks he's better than me, and he's trying to do this and that. No, but over the last two years, I've been able to learn so much and do so much because I humbled myself. I'm scared of leaders who don't have leaders. I'm scared of mentors who, who don't have mentors. Yes, yes. I need to see who you connected to. What's the lineage of this thing? That's good. That's good. Because you need to know if that man's bipolar. <laughs> you know? Come on. Because you connected to them. <laughs> this thing I, is serious. I, yeah. I need to know. I can trace my leader's lineage back to, like, 12 generations. So, for instance, I, I have me, I have my leader, I have my leader's leader, and his leader. So that, those are four generations that are still living. So everything gets trickled down. And then I have the leaders that's up under me. That's five generations that are still living of leaders. So I can trace the lineage back. And you have a lot of people who are fly by night. They are um, five. The main thing now is five-step gurus. You know, get this five-step program. Get this five-step thing. So everybody's a millionaire and all of this type of things. But you can't trace back. Um, their lineage of how they got to where they were. And that's dangerous. Yes. Because if you're not submitted, how are you going to lead somebody else? That's good. That's good. I'm just saying, Dr. D. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, every 
you know, every leader needs a leader. I mean, you can't just be out there, especially if the Bible talks about, you know, having safety in the multitude of councils, you know. Absolutely. Um, you, you, I mean, like, who are you talking to? You can't just be talking to you, <laughs> you know. You can't just be talking to you because some days you may be a little off, so you need someone to help to say, hey, 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 hey. Come on. This isn't what you're supposed to be doing, you know. I need um, somebody to check me and be like, like, no. Listen, I need somebody to check me and be like, no, we ain't doing that. And because you need that. It's, it's necessary. A lot of people don't like to be um, corrected. But they they have to be and and you know and I'm glad we <laughs> were speaking about that. But, you know uh, I want you to share about I know you talked about your mentor. I know we had an offline conversation before, um, and you talked about how you know you were preaching and the service was going so well. You know and I mean for you you're saying yes. You know people were slain in the spirit, and then your mentor a leader provides you with some feedback that. Now um, now why you want to make me relive that? Why you why you want to make me relive that? Listen, I see. I need people to know that. You know, Out of all the stories you could have brought up, you gonna make me relive that? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just playing. But yes, yeah, so um, what one particular Sunday, uh, he puts me up to preach his service because he does eight o'clock. I do one o'clock, so he puts me up to do his service. Um, and I mean, I'm I'm going forward. I'm preaching. I'm going in, laying hands on people, all kind of things. People are falling out, slain in the spirit, all of this. So, you know, I'm feeling good. We go to the conference room um, after I get through preaching, and I'm sitting there, and he literally walks over to me. I'm thinking he's going to hug me, pat me on the back. He literally says, what was that crap you just did? (laughs) And I look, and I almost laugh because I thought he was playing. He said, no, the spirit took over and used you because you were in biblical error and ignorance. So he has this big, like, 80-inch screen TV in the conference room, and he pulls up the sermon. <laughs> I mean, because it's, it's streamed, and he takes me through through all of the errors that I made. He's like, no, no, no. This doesn't connect with that. And if you're going to connect it, it doesn't make sense. And if you don't put this scripture in there with that. And so he walked me through all of the errors that I did. See, this is the problem with most people. And I had to learn this the hard way. If you score a 92 on a test, you're not going back to check to see what you did wrong. You're just happy you got an A. If you score, some of us, if we score a, a, a 84, we're just happy we got a B and we'll be through with it. It's not until you're barely passing or you fail that you go back and see what you got wrong. And that's where the spirit of excellence comes from. You may have been 85% complete, but in God, you're still off. You need to go back and clean up that 15%. And when I tell you I was so mad for like two weeks, every time I see him, I would just begin to grind my teeth. Like I, I was so I was so mad at him because I'm like, man, people are falling out and this is that and that. And he's like, yeah, because the spirit took over. But he says, what if the spirit wouldn't have showed up? And what you had was great information. You just didn't put it together right. Piece this stuff together. 
And this is what he told me, and it changed my leadership journey. He says, the reason why I have to do you like this is because now you're attached to my name, God. And he, said, <laughs> he says, there's a certain standard attached to my name. So when people see you doing that, um, that's almost like I'm condoning it or I'm allowing it. And it literally changed how I, how I viewed leadership because a lot of times um, we, for the sake of not losing people, we don't want to give them those hard critiques, you know, and give them those hard rebukes. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, it, it's funny because last week was the first time he told me, man, I'm so proud of you. When he called me the Monday after the anniversary, I was like, oh, man, he's going to chew me out. And he could hear my expression on the phone. He's like, I didn't call to chew you out. I called to tell you how proud I was of you. And so it it gave me a spirit of joy because I know how hard he is on me. And he told me, I've been riding you for two years and this and that because I want you to operate in the spirit of excellence. I want you to make sure that you're doing everything the right way. So when he said that, it just did something to me, and it did something to him because it made him look like a proud mentor. And it made me feel proud that I had accomplished something. So hopefully that answered it. <laughs> no, that is good because, you know, um, that was a, I mean, that was a very strong and hard rebuke and correction, you know. And some people, when they experience those type of things, they, they want to leave the, the leader. But what I would also say to anyone who may be listening in, depending on the standard that your leader sets, for themselves, then you already know what you're going to be up against. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And so if you Absolutely. know that that's a standard that you don't want to keep, then you need not, you know, where you don't, don't connect with. But, and, and, and it's with the leaders as well, yeah. knowing the different type of people that you're leading. For instance, mm-hmm. he cuts me up. Oh, this is another thing. I think I've told you this before. I'm the only son. So he has nothing but daughters. I, like I, when God sent me to him, I was, I'm the only son. He has eight spiritual children that he grows, that he grooms, um, that he's had, he and his wife. And I'm, I'm number eight. I'm the youngest, but I'm the son. I'm the only boy. I'm the only man. So I could hear them preach and teach stuff, and I'd be like, that don't go together. And he's so graceful with them. Oh, come here, daughter. No, let me show you this. Yeah, go look at this right here. Matter of fact, go grab my book, and it's a sticky note in there, and that'll be it. I'm like, you giving notes and stickies and all of this stuff, and you whooping me. But it's because of the direction that he wants me to go in. Well, you know, they carry you harder depending on, you know, especially where they know God is taking you. And so sometimes I think people have to understand that whatever it is that they carry, um, your mentors or your leaders may be a little harder on you than they are on, you know, on other people. Um, but it's because of that. It's not that it's not that they don't mean you well. Um, it's just that they desire to really, really see you get to that to that place. Um if you have a mentor or a leader who's leading you or mentoring you and they are not correcting you with certain things, you should be concerned about that. Absolutely. You know, people for, should really be for, concerned about that. For instance, I'll give you this one example. Um, I have a, a friend of mine who's a millionaire mentor. 
he and his wife are actually millionaires. You know, they don't just put that in their clubhouse bio and on their Facebooks. They're actually millionaires. <laughs> like, they put it where you can access the – you can see the millions in their account. And when he was training me um, with business, uh, I reached out to him, you know, because um, when I wasn't working anymore, I wanted to learn more about business. I've been knowing about business my entire life. My parents were – you know, had multiple companies and things. But long story short, when I reached out to him, number one was this. I reached out to him asking for his help. So um, what he taught me was when people want your help, they have to learn how to be quiet. Because if you call me, that means you must want me to talk. So why are you doing more talking than me and you call me for advice? That was number one. And so when he started training me on what it actually takes to become a millionaire, I hated this guy. The reason why I hated him because he's like, "What you doing?" Oh, nothing. I'm sitting in, uh, I'm sitting in Starbucks, um, get, getting some some coffee, getting a frappuccino. He's like, "Wait a minute, you're sitting in Starbucks getting a seven dollar coffee, and you haven't even made seven dollars today, so you're already seven dollars negative in the hole." And I'm like, "It's just coffee." He says, "No, for what you're trying to build." You don't have money for those types of expenses right now. And I'm like, what is he talking about? So he took me from eating out every day to cooking at home and saving three, $400 a week. He took me from Starbucks to um, brewing coffee at home and making my own tea. And what they charge $7 for, I can pay that same $7 and make it seven more times at home. Yeah. So it's according to to what you want, what you're willing to put in. And when you have the right people, they are going to push you past your boundaries. Why? Because that's how you break through. And a lot of people want next level, but they're not willing to endure the process in order to get there. That is so true. I'm telling you, listen, Pastor BJ, you definitely, definitely, uh, motivated and inspired our listening audience tonight. I mean, and you were transparent. I'm, I'm sure some of them, you know, you've actually um, helped them break some things off of that, even in just our conversation tonight, because you really shared a lot, as always. You're very provocative, and that's one of the things I love about you. Um, <laughs> I'm always, always grateful Um you know, to hear you share, to hear you pour, and just to hear uh, the revelation that God gives you to download. So I'm always, always grateful for that. But, of course, you know, before you go, um, I want you to let our listening audience know how they can stay connected to this provocative uh, conversations and feedbacks and posts, <laughs> as well as if you have any upcoming events that um, you would like for them to know about. Um. So, Yes, they can connect with me on all social media platforms uh, at Pastor BJ. You'll see, if you type that in, you'll see a goofy-looking guy with some big glasses with his head turned to the side. That is me. Um, you can find me on all so- social media platforms that way. Um, no upcoming events. Uh, we've said it several times. I do do on Facebook Live almost every night uh, a prayer call where we just expound on the word of the Lord and we just make declarations. So, Please feel free to tune in there. Uh, it does get a little controversial and provocative, like Dr. T says, but nevertheless, uh, everything we do is scriptural-based. So um, we, we believe in biblical basis to provide better life. That's, 
that's me in the essence. Um, that that's just who I am. I want to be um, not just a pitcher. I want to be a straw as well. And what I mean by that, I realize that uh, I'm not called to pour into everybody. There are some people I'm just called to stir up. So that's me. Y'all can find me there. And again, I appreciate you, Dr. T, for this amazing. Uh, platform and all the work that God has blessed in your hand. And I'm just excited about your journey, and I'm excited about what's coming next in your life. Well, thank you so much, Pastor DJ. You know, I appreciate you. Um, you know, I just, you know, I just love the conversations. Like I said, the pour on your, just your heart, your, you know, being so uh, pure and just genuine. And sometimes you don't always find that. So, you know, anytime you find that, I'm always grateful um, for that, you know, you come and you just, I guess, you pour, you share, even the live, you just, man, you know, so I would say that to anyone who's listening in, make sure that you tune into uh, the Emerging Leaders Live that we have on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sometimes you do go on Facebook, and if you go on Facebook, it's during the same time. But, of course, you know once you stay connected to me on all of my social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, under social media um, handle uh, Tavara, and of course, Tavara Johnson, sorry. And if you desire mentorship, coaching, book publishing, any of those things, you can go to emergencemediagroup.com or even TavaraJohnson.com. So everyone, thank you so much for tuning in tonight, and I look forward to seeing you next week, Tuesday. Blessings. Thank you for tuning in to Emergence Radio Talk. For more information on Emergence Radio Talk, Emergence Mentorship Program, or Women to Women Mentoring Program, be sure to visit www.tavarajohnson.com. If you would like to be a guest on our show, email us at info at or follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Periscope. That's Tavara Johnson. Stay connected and updated on all upcoming events. Until next time, thank you for joining.